Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Hot Takes from the Berg podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mitchell, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. How are you doing this morning, Ian? I'm doing great. I said I was doing great yesterday when we did our NBA podcast, and that was the truth. And I'm doing great again today because now we're doing an NFL podcast. And this one in particular, the NFC North, is one that get is going to... You're going to feel some passion come out of me today with this one because there's some things in this division that I am really passionate about. And there's some things in this division that I think really kind of blow my mind. And I I cannot wait to get into it and and slam the people who I think need to be slammed and also give some props to the people who deserve it because I think there was some great moves that were made in this division. Yeah, it it's. I think it's kind of one of the the mid tier divisions coming into this season. Um, I say we start with the Chicago Bears. Um, they had a a huge huge draft pick in Justin Field fall to them after trading up to eleven. So depending on how he turns out, that could be their their future future quarterback. Yeah, I mean this. First of all, like all of the additions in mind with this team, they, they did go out and signed Andy Dalton. And by all accounts, he will start the season for them. Now, I I predict one or two weeks. One or two weeks for Andy Dalton. I like Andy Dalton as a quarterback, but he's a placeholder. He, and he was never even intended to be the guy. I mean, that – well, I mean, they signed him before. They thought they would have to roll him out over the course of the season. <coughs> Excuse me. But they didn't expect for kind of like what you said for Justin Fields. And to me, he's the real diamond. But they did also manage to have Desmond Trufant with the with the new quarterback in Justin Fields. The re-signing of Allen Roberts, Robinson doesn't feel like doesn't feel like a terrible move anymore. It feels like an amazing move. It feels like Allen Robinson is actually going to have somebody who will get him the ball down the field the way he wants to get it and finally have that star quarterback that he can have who can get him the ball reliably. And then even after that, you talk about Jermaine Effetti, Mario Edwards Jr. I love their second-round draft pick in Tevin Jenkins. And I think they also had some late-round draft picks because they did give up a good amount of picks to go up and get uh, Justin Fields. And so then – with the likes of Daz Newsome, Khalil Herbert, and Larry Borum, I all I like what all of those guys can potentially bring to the table. You're talking about two guys that just add a bit of juice on offense. Now, Daz Newsome did break his collarbone, and his availability for training camp is a little bit in question, but they, by all accounts, it seems like he's going to be ready to go. So with that being the case, you add a little bit of juice to this offense. You add a whole lot of juice with Justin Fields. And then you kept his number one weapon at the wide receiver position while also strengthening what I thought was then your next biggest need in the offensive line with one of my favorite offensive tackles in Tevin Jenkins. There is a great YouTube video out there. If I knew the person who made it, I would love to shout them out right now. But it's just calling Tevin Jenkins the nastiest man in football. And if you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it because he 
he lines up with the intention to inflict harm on every single play. And that is something that he won't be able to do it as often as the way that he did in college in the NFL. But that kind of just a motor and energy is something that is really going to translate to the next level. And Larry Borm's a great tackle out of um, Missouri as well. And so to me, I, I think this is a quarterback driven league. I, I've said it a million times. There's another team in this division where I'm going to say the same exact thing. And you, You've heard the way that I've talked about Justin Fields since we started doing mock drafts for this NFL draft. I, I am really high on Justin Fields. I think he was, honestly, he was closer to me to be splitting hairs with Trevor Lawrence than I think that Zach Wilson was. And it's, call me crazy, but I, and I could eat my words very easily. But I'm willing to walk out on that because that's how much I believe in Justin Fields as a player. The only thing that I would say about overall this offseason class, if I could nitpick one little thing, I'd say it kind of reminds me of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I, I think that there was a, a need specifically on the boundary after letting go of Kyle Fuller. And Desmond Trufant was really the only move to address that. And with that being the case, I think they could be a little weak on the boundary in the backfield. Now, I know as an Eagle fan, we were seemingly begging for it when we got Zach, Zach McPherson in the fourth round. It wasn't that dire, but I do think that is the next position of need for the Chicago Bears. I really do like Chicago's offseason. I wasn't a huge fan of them cutting Kyle Fuller, Kyle Fuller or Bobby Massey. I understand why they had to, though, to free up that cap space. But you got two very electrifying players in Khalil Herbert and Daz Newsom in the sixth round. I mean, two of some of the best players to come out of the ACC. I mean, Daz Newsom's injury is a little concerning. And Khalil Herbert just flew under the radar, which is insane. I I know a, a lot of people that could have had him in the, the early third round mock drafts. So him falling all the way to the sixth round, crazy. But overall, like, Chicago had a, a decent offseason. I think I'd give it a C-plus just because I, I really think losing Kyle Fuller is going to hurt them on, on the defense end. But they also did get rid of Mitch Trubisky, which is nice. I, I think that's really showing they're going to – Mostly put their trust in Justin Fields after Andy Dalton has his, his few game starts. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the blueprint for this offense. It's only a matter of time for Justin Fields to come in and, and really just take over the reins. I mean, this is his offense. I, I can guarantee you the coaches already know it. I'm pretty sure probably after one of the first or second practices, they – they knew it. I mean, that's just the kind of talent level that that he has. I mean, he, he's just a special kind of quarterback. And to me, uh, I might be crazy. I think the lowest I could give this would be an A minus. Because kind of going back to what I said earlier, the quarterback position is the most important position. If my analysis 
is correct on Justin Fields. You just got a blue chip kind of a player, someone that you don't have to worry about unless you're not getting him the right pieces and, and he wants to, to get out of there. If that's not the case, then you have this guy for the next 10 years and he is going to be a plus quarterback, a quarterback that you don't have to have the best of everything else around him to compete. We're talking about a quarterback that, you know, he can make you better and win you games. And that's the kicker. I, I kind of talk about it all the time. I think that's the difference between, you know, an average quarterback and, and an elite quarterback. And I think Justin Fields has that in him. And so to me, I, I would give this draft or just offseason all around an A. It was shaping up to be around an F. I think it's huge just to see how much they bought into the offense. I mean, to think about all these guys that are going to be getting into this offense between Tevin Jenkins, Daz Newsome, Cleo Herbert, Justin Fields, Allen Robinson will still be there. Larry Borum might get some tick at a, one of the guard or tackle positions. I think he could be an upgrade over a couple of guys that were starting on their line for sure. And – with that, you know, is it the last few years it's been defense, defense, defense with Chicago. We see it. We're seeing a shift now. It's offense, and I loved it because you got your man in the middle. That's the one that you needed. You needed that quarterback, and it showed how bad Chicago wanted him with the capital and everything that they gave up. When it's for a quarterback position, I could care less because it is the most important position in football. With that being the case. Kyle Fuller, I agree with you. It, it is it, that loss does hurt, and, and kind of like I said, I wish they could have done maybe one more thing across the draft to, you know, address that position. But it, it didn't work out. They gave, had to give up some picks to get Justin Fields, so I can understand it can't all happen in a single off season. But I really like what the Bears did. I'd give it just an A, no pluses, no minuses, just an A. I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. I just want to see how this defense is able to perform without having Kyle Fuller there. Because, I mean, their their front seven is still closer to the to the top of the league, but their secondary has definitely lost a step in the race. Yeah. Um. Now moving on to arguably the one of the worst off seasons I've seen in a long time. The Green Bay Packers. Boy, oh boy, Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, everyone everyone knows the situation in Green Bay. If you don't, it's been two months. Aaron Rodgers is not happy with the organization at all. And then you don't bring back Corey Lindsley, who is – you can argue he's the best center in the league right now. Easily top three. You let Jamal Williams go. I mean, yes, you have A.J. Dillon. But then you draft Eric Stokes in the first round when, like, I – Green Bay is just – I don't even know what to think of Green Bay's front office for the past few years. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. For one, it just to me, I know Packer fans, and I know 
one of the most disliked players on their team is Kevin King. Yeah, fans are not happy with Kevin King. And I just think the fact that, you know, with such little money, the fact that re-signing Kevin King was, you know, priority 2.0, I think both of those guys and Kevin King and Aaron Jones could have walked. Like, I know it sounds bad, but I, I'm just not in love with the notion of paying running backs in today's day and age. Now, Aaron Jones is a monster. He's a really, really good running back. And he's really reliable as well, which is something that you do not see a lot with running backs. So for that reason, I mean, he's not your average running back. But I wouldn't have been shocked at all if they ran back next year with um, A.J. Dillon and bring back Jamal Williams on a cheaper deal and that be your one-two punch. I don't hate that. And in fact, I kind of like the young potential that's there with that. Maybe I'm crazy. I mean, they're they're not Aaron Jones, but we're talking money-wise. That that's cheaper, uh, definitely cheaper than what you're paying Aaron Jones now. Kevin King is not on the biggest deal in the world, but you did you just didn't have to bring him back, especially when you knew your intentions in the first round were going to be to go and get a cornerback. For that reason, especially. And then it's just the continued reluctance to get Aaron Rodgers any kind of help. I mean, I'm first of all, I'm one of these people that I think it's a little bit overblown because I mean Aaron Rodgers did just have an MVP caliber season with that exact wide receiving core. You know, I, I don't think it was like Oh, my goodness. It never, you know, popped out to me. Uh, this is coming from an Eagles fan. I, last year, I watched whoever we were throwing the ball to, and if their name wasn't Greg Ward, it was a terrible play. And it was a terrible play by the wide receiver outside of a few weeks that we got from someone that was signed off of practice squad, which is pretty sad. And Aaron Rodgers didn't have to deal with that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has one of the best wide receivers in the entire game. And outside of that, you have a height, weight, speed, or a heightened speed kind of threat in MVS. And Alan Lazard is just kind of underrated. And so I don't think it's as dire, but you also have to realize if your main man, your quarterback, your, you know, your Super Bowl chances hinge on him being there, says, hey, I'd like a couple extra receivers, or, or you think we could address that? You address that. You do it. I don't I don't understand what why GMs do this and act like such hard asses when it comes to things like this because it who are you gonna are you gonna are you competing with Jordan Love? Are you going to the Super Bowl with Jordan Love? No. I I, I mean we haven't seen him on the field, but I can tell you next season, no, you are not going to the Super Bowl with Jordan Love. With next next season. You could go to the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's in the play, that's in the realm of possibility every single year he's at your quarterback position. And so with that being the case, just this long reluctance to do what it takes to get him the help is ridiculous. And I'll say it right now, if you know if there's a whole situation going on right now, he's away from the team, he wants to be traded unless the GM is is fired. And the Packers seem unwilling to to do that, which I do understand. I think it is a kind of a, a crappy position 
to put people in to to say, well, if this guy's, I'm not coming back until this guy's gone. That's kind of is with all everything that I said and how I can agree with Aaron Rodgers, I can see how that's also a crappy position to put somebody in. I mean, imagine being in that room when you hear that, that your star quarterback wants you fired or he's not coming back. That 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 sucks. And I mean, but it's also because of what you've done. You have not gotten him the pieces. And so if this whole if this whole situation ends in Aaron Rodgers being traded or not suiting up for the Green Bay Packers, this entire offseason is an F. And it, the whole offseason is an F because a bunch of people in suits and ties thought that they knew better. They chose to ignore the captain and the quarterback of their team and not get him help because they think they know better. Eric Stokes looks like a great player. He's got all the intangibles. You watch his college tape, there's nothing about him. To me, I could be wrong, that screams can't miss. And with that being the case, I mean, what would it have been? I mean, I, I get that they did get Amari Rodgers, and I love the fit for that. I love the fit for that because I think it's a, a perfect kind of a fit that the Packers needed. Like I said, I like the outside kind of options that they have. And now to have an Amari Rodgers, somebody that can fill the – um, I don't know, maybe like the Jordy Nelson kind of role. I really like the idea of that, but it's almost like too, too little, too late. And I do think they did a good job of kind of restocking along the offensive line, a place they kind of got picked apart with. I mean, you talked about it. Josh Myers is a little bit slept on of a center. Uh, I, he's from Ohio State, so he can't be but so slept on. I liked a few other centers before Josh Myers. He's fine. But I'm I'm not totally content with just kicking it with Josh Myers this season. I'm not sure that he's ready for all of that. But with that said, I mean, they tried to help him, but it, I can't give this anything anything higher than an F if Aaron Rodgers isn't your quarterback day one. Yeah, if Aaron Rodgers does leave, this is by far one of the worst offseasons I've ever seen. And then the thing with the Packs right now, uh, the whole Jordan Love situation is crazy to me. I mean, during OTAs, Jordan Love throws an 80-yard bomb and yells, Aaron who? Like, that's something you don't do as a quarterback. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You're a second-year player. You don't go out there and say, Aaron who to one of the greatest to ever do it when you've done absolutely nothing in your career so far. Yeah, it's not a good look. I would say the funny thing to me is that I do think it's a little funny because I can totally imagine this just replace this story, make Jordan love Aaron Rodgers, and now make Aaron Rodgers say, Far who, and I could see that happening, but the thing is, is that everybody knew a, a, a whole lot about Aaron Rodgers. You know, Jordan Love is still this enigma that we don't know a lot about, and that's because of Aaron Rodgers and because of what he's been able to do. And I mean, it, it was a bit disrespectful 
to go out and still select him in the first round of the draft last year to move up and get a quarterback. Now, I know you have to be forward thinking and this and that, but this is a, a, almost an identical situation to what happened for the Eagles. I know for a fact Carson, Carson Wentz said all the right things and did all the right things. He did not like that move to go and get Jalen Hurts, especially after he had inked that huge deal. That is that deal was kind of like a, a pat on the back, a, a reassurance. Oh, you have our confidence. And then it's like, well, wait, what? You drafted Jalen Hurts? Man, we play the same position. What's up? I, I could see that being slapped in the face a little bit. And especially if you're Aaron Rodgers in the first round where you're expecting probably some kind of help, you go out and, and, and make Jordan love the guy. I can see how that angers you and upsets you. But I do also think that this is – I mean, is there a better situation for Aaron Rodgers to win a championship next, next year anywhere? I, the only place that I could maybe even argue, and it pains me a little bit to say, is Washington. I could, I could see him being in Denver if he goes to Brett Favre route, retires, and then comes back to the league. Denver is the other one that keeps getting thrown out there. And I could see Denver. They have the weapons that I think that would really, really appease Aaron Rodgers. And if it is just sorely about the weapons, then yes. But I think Washington has the the defense that could be capable. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I, I see that. Also, I think it's a, a big coaching thing. So I could see him going to Washington to want to play with Ron Rivera because everyone loves Riverboat Ron. I'm not sure how how I would like it if we traded for him because we'd yeah. have definitely have to give up a a decent chunk of assets, which I wouldn't exactly be the biggest fan of. But I, it's Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't hate it, but I wouldn't love it. Yeah, and, and as good as Aaron Rodgers still is, you still know that, you know, even once you acquire him, it, it's like your clock is running. For Washington right now, it seems like the clock can run as long as they want it to with the amount of young and talented de- defensive players that they have. So I would like better for them to have a young quarterback, young, talented quarterback to grow with. But it, it would put a lot of pressure, you know, on, on a young team that suddenly just now has Aaron Rodgers and is now, you know, the favorite of their division, the favorite in all this and that, you know, how do they respond to that so fast at least. But to me, I I give this two different grades Um, real quick. I'm just going to round out the rest of the draft for um, the Green Bay Packers. They also picked up guard Royce Newman. Uh, to Daryl Slayton is an interesting defensive lineman out of Florida. He has some potential, and I think they may have gotten a potential diamond in the rough with their last draft pick with linebacker Isaiah McDuffie. I watched a good amount of this guy's film. He was one of my favorite players around the end of the draft. I really, really, really wanted the Eagles to go and get him. I thought he would be a perfect kind of a fit. In the middle of our defense, I love the speed that he plays with, flies around the field, makes a ton of plays 
the linebacker out of Boston College, Isaiah McDuffie. I really, really liked him. The Packers were able to get him. I would not be surprised to see him uh, assume a starting role this season. That's how much I think he could do on the field as soon as this year. So I do like that move. But like I said, this is two different grades. I mean, if you keep Aaron Rodgers, this is a C plus. You still kind of did not really address what your main guy wanted you to address. And it's obvious he's not going to be happy even once he gets there. And, and who knows what kind of a drama and, and stuff that will stir up and, and how you run a locker room with all of that going on is a question that I cannot answer. But if you don't have Rodgers, this is an F. This is an F easily. I know we haven't seen what Jordan Love can do, but kind of like what I said earlier, with Aaron Rodgers competing for a Super Bowl, year one Jordan Love, I cannot say the same. Yeah, no, it's definitely – Going to be interesting to see how this whole Aaron Rodgers situation plays out. If he retires, if he stays with Green Bay, if he forces a trade out. I mean, we still have two months until free season, so there's there's plenty of time. He's now, nothing but time. Now let's move on to um, – I, I think this was – one of the the better off seasons. I think this was the best in in the North. That's the the Detroit Lions. Yes, they lost a lot, but I think they did a a, a decent job of trying to fill the holes they lost. I mean, of course, they traded Jared Goff or J- traded Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. Also, got three first round picks out of it. They lost Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew, Matt Prater, Gerard Davis, Reggie Ragland. But they bring in Terrell Williams, Bashad Perriman, Khalif Raymond, Alex Alex Anzalon, and Jamal Williams. Those are the big names. I don't know I don't know how the the Jamal Williams DeAndre Swift backfield is going to work, but it's interesting. Yeah, no, it is interesting. I feel like they're a bit of the a similar kind of a mold. I, I would have kind of liked to see um, them get somebody in a different mold. Now, now, don't get me wrong. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams are both running backs that are kind of do-it-all running backs. I mean, they both kind of have this speed and pop aspect to them to where they're not afraid to run in between the tackles or something like that. But just with having such a young and exciting running back, potential-wise – with a DeAndre Swift, I would have liked to see them kind of go out and get more of a bowling ball, more maybe someone like a Mike Davis or something like that. Because you know, once you have your running back in today's game, it's all about the committee that you have going with it. And, and everyone's trying to do what they can to limit the amount of hits that your best running back will take. And to me, the best kind of hits that you could you should look to kind of eliminate are those in-between-the-tackle kind of runs. Those are the ones that over the course of what is now a 17-game season start to add up. When you get when you get piled on by 300-pound men, that doesn't feel good. And so if Jamal Williams can, you know, buy in and do that kind of a dirty work for DeAndre Swift in a way, I'm all for that. And also Jamal Williams is just a, a good locker room guy as well. I, I think that is a really good fit. And that's something that I – want to touch on more so than any other team in the league because I've really liked what the Lions have done 
this new coaching staff, I've seen just a little bit of their kind of philosophy and what they've been doing. And Dan Campbell, <coughs> excuse me, seems like a really good fit. And I really like the way that they're going about building this team. The trenches were an obvious point of emphasis. And, and I love that. I have talked about it a million times. My own team, the Philadelphia Eagles, won building inside out. That was the style of our 2017 Super Bowl. We had mastered the trenches on both sides of the ball. And everyone thought that we would just be a decent team. And it turned out that that was enough to make everything else play as well as it did. <clears throat> and we also had a huge season from Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. So, I mean, that's what it took for us. And they're going about it the right way. Talk about the draft. I mean, they had the best lineman in the draft, somebody that everyone really kind of thought could be in play as soon as three falls into their lap, Penny Sewell. I mean, I didn't think it was likely that the 49ers went with him, but I didn't think it was I, – I wouldn't have think thought it would be the craziest thing in the world. I mean, I really wouldn't. And, I mean, because he's that talented, any real draft, a team that doesn't need a quarterback at two probably goes with Penny Sewell. So – and then you follow that up with Levi Anzarike, Aleem McNeil. I mean, and then you factor in they traded for Michael Brockers as well. Those are just huge, huge moves to strengthen the trenches. And that, to me, signals that Dan Campbell and company know this isn't supposed to be a flashy kind of an offseason. You know, uh, he wasn't looking to replace Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew, he wasn't looking for just, you know, yard for yard replacements. He's looking for guys that will help the next Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and probably whoever it may be the next Jared Goff once they find a more reliable long-term starter. I don't think that he will end up being the, the man of the future. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the most important thing that you got out of that was three years and you kind of get out from under Stafford and you give him the chance to go seek um, or get a chance at winning football and things like that. So, like I said, th this wasn't to be a flashy offseason. But, I mean, they went a great way in ensuring that the trenches, trenches aren't a part of the problem and they can build inside out in a way that I saw my team do and it can work really, really well for you. I was a... Uh a huge fan of the Penny Sewell pick having him fall to seven. It was basically like having your franchise tackle fall on your laps. And then later in the fourth round, I mean, Amon Rossi Brown, he's not a terrible prospect for a fourth round, fourth round pick at a USC. I mean, 5'11", 200 pounds. Not I could see him maybe being that slot receiver kind of guy, but I don't know how the Lions are going to utilize that. I mean, when you have Brashad Perriman there and Tyrell Williams, I don't know who's really going to be the outside receiver for Detroit, but you don't really have to worry about that right now. You're you're kind of in the, the tanking mode. You're just going to continue to build your offense and defense and – you have an you have extra picks to do that, which is really really good. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. For me overall, I'd give this a B plus only because there are still holes on this team. It wasn't a, you know, all encompassing kind of off season and it's not flashy. It won't pop off the pages. And even next year, this team won't win a lot of games, but I love the direction that they're going. I love every way that they're moving. And I think Dan Campbell's got the right idea. I'm going to give it an A minus. It would have easily been an A plus if they're able to keep either Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones, but losing both of them, it, it definitely knocks it down a few tiers for me. But the, the receivers, they, they bring in not terrible. Now, moving on to the, the last team in the NFC North, we got the Minnesota Vikings. Um, another interesting offseason. They lose a few few key players. You lose Anthony Harris. You lose right. You cut Riley Reef. Those are, are two kind of bad. I mean, depending on how you feel about Anthony Harris as a Vikings fan. I know some people loved him. I know some people kind of thought he was overrated in that situation, but you bring in Xavier Woods, you bring Pat Pete from the Cardinals, which is huge. You sign Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, Stefan Weatherly, and then you make a trade for Mason Cole and giving up a sixth round pick. Like not a terrible off season uh, in the free agency wise. No, no, it really wasn't a, a, a bad offseason. I, I, one thing I really, really liked about the, what the Vikings did is, is in a similar manner, I thought they addressed their needs very, very well. Um, you talked about it. I mean, to lose Anthony Harris and to replace him with Xavier Woods, that's not a major fall off. Like you said, I mean, it's kind of up to how the Viking fans themselves may feel about it. But from an outsider's perspective looking in, I don't think you're losing a whole lot there. Patrick Peterson is still a good cornerback. He is getting up there in age, and he definitely doesn't have the same uh, get-off that he had. But he's still productive on the outside. And corner was the biggest position of need uh, for this Vikings team, or just a secondary kind of in general last season. And so to kind of refresh that group, it is is huge. I, I think, and you also, you know, they have something that I'm not going to uh, – well, I mean, I guess technically I'll count it as an addition. I mean, Daniil Hunter got his deal reworked. He will be back out last year. That's a big, big get. That's your best edge rusher, <clears throat> edge rusher on your team. And, and you, to have him back <clears> – excuse me, my voice keeps going. To have him back, that's obviously a big, big bonus. And you also went out and got Dalvin Tomlinson at the same time. I mean, it's a big man in the middle. He will definitely have an impact next season. And then for me, I liked their draft. I, I really, really did. I, I think for one, this is one of the only drafts I can say that I liked top to bottom. I, I know there's one area that I'm going to definitely let you get in with and kind of get your analysis because I know there's somebody in this draft that you – are higher on not well not higher on but just know more about and have had more confidence going back to our mock drafts and things like that but to me I mean Christian Darisol we both as Virginia Tech fans know 
this is a day one kind of blindside protector for you if you need it. And even if not, he's a day one excellent right tackle. You have one of the biggest positions in football solved with that selection. And he just fell right into your laps. I mean, this is a guy we were talking about could go as early as 10 or 12. And he falls to you all the way at pick whatever it was. I can't really remember, but Christian Darisaw is the guy. And that is huge. I mean, we're talking about a potential tackle of the future. Absolutely huge. Kellen Mond in the second round. This is the guy that I'm going to leave some room for you to talk about once I finish wrapping up just this class top to bottom because I know you had a lot of good things to say about him dating back to some earlier episodes that we did. Chaz Surratt is in a really interesting piece of the linebacker position. They lost Eric Wilson to my Philadelphia Eagles. They had a couple question marks at the linebacker position. Chaz Surratt has all of the potential in the world. The guy's only played the position for two years, and you can already see his athleticism pop off the page when you watched him at UNC. That, that is a really, really interesting pick. Wyatt Davis was one of those players I really liked as a guard. A guard the guards this year were, I thought, the offensive line overall this year was loaded. And to see a team that struggled on the O-line go out and get two of some of my favorite guys on the offensive line is huge. You have potentially two of five positions locked down for the future, potentially. And I'm not saying it's 100% guaranteed, but that is a awesome prospect. And then after that, after Wyatt Davis, it's essentially four flyers on guys that I all think have extremely interesting potential. Patrick Jones from Pitt, if you didn't get to watch ACC football, like I know me and Jason do, one thing I will tell you, Pitt had one of the scariest defensive lines in probably the entire ACC. That's how good they were up front. Patrick Jones and someone else I'll talk about with the last pick in this draft class were huge for them. Absolutely huge. And so to be able to get him this late, I was always kind of surprised the whole time at how late a lot of these people had these pit guys going just because I think maybe they looked at it as more committee. But you think about it in the NFL, you're playing beside guys that are good. He, for example, could be playing across from Daniil Hunter. Imagine how much that will help him. And then you also have Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle who gets a good amount of attention. I love that flyer. Janarius Robinson from Florida State is another kind of one of those guys. This is just a a really high potential ceiling guy coming off of the edge. Cameron Bynum out of Cal is a cornerback that is very, very smooth. Now, he doesn't have this top-end burning speed. He's not like a six-foot-four Richard Sherman kind of a guy, but he's just a six-foot-one kind of lengthy corner that contests plays and is there when the ball is there. And to me, I think he turns his hips well. I think he reads the ball well. You see a lot of cornerbacks, they don't ever play the ball. That is not a problem for, for Cameron Bynum. In fact, I'd say, the pro- if anything, it might be a problem with how much eye-watching he does, which that's something you can fix. I'm not too worried about that. I, I'm really extremely excited to see what Cameron Bynum can become for this team. And then with the last pick, they took Jalen Twyman, who was another part of that pit defensive line. He was the man in the middle. He'll be probably playing right behind Dalvin Tomlinson. And I'm really excited to see what 
they can potentially grow Jalen Twyman into be because, like I said, that pit defensive line as a whole, every player across the board were nothing but extremely high ceiling defensive players whose impact will probably not blow anyone away next season, but they got younger in their areas of need while also towing the line of competing next season with signings like Dalvin Tomlinson and Patrick Peterson. Yeah, uh, I think it's crazy to think how many ACC guys the the Vikings took. I mean, Christian Darisaw, Chas Patrick Jones, uh, Janarius Robinson, Jalen Twyman, like, Five ACC guys. Get get on get on the ACC for really starting to get more talent in the NFL. I mean, the ACC has kind of been falling behind in the, in the football realm, at least for for big name prospects, and they're starting to pick it back up. And Christian Darisaw is the main reason I'm not super upset about the Riley Reef cutting, because. Darisaw can come in and be your starting either left tackle or right tackle. He can be that blindside guy like he was as a Hokie, or he he can switch over to the other side and block the team's best edge rusher. Like, he's a flexible kind of guy. I think he could even play guard if he really needed to. Uh, I don't think the Vikings are going to utilize him in that way. I think they're going to use him more as a tackle. But he, he can play all over the offensive line. Yeah, no, his his ability alone is going to be is going to pay huge dividends. And every pick after that, outside of to me, Wyatt Davis, I cannot say the same year one. But still, like I said, offensive line and the secondary were their biggest areas of need. They went out and got Patrick Peterson and Xavier Woods to just try something else in the secondary this season, which I can appreciate. And then they went and got two players that I really, really liked along the offensive line, which was their second biggest need. Um, <clears throat> for a team that's just trying to kind of scratch the surface, I'll say this division is really wide open right now. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. And with that being the case, I, I think the Vikings legitimately have a shot at winning this division now with the kind of offseason that they had. It was very, very much a quiet one but very much a productive one in terms of what they needed and they knew exactly how they wanted to go out and attack it. And I can appreciate that a lot. I really, really can. Anytime you're drafting to your needs and it just so happens to have, they, they were one of those teams that <clears throat> it felt like they could kind of get lost in the sauce of, you know, not knowing what the other teams wanted to do and, and things like that, but they just stuck to their draft board, stuck to their needs and watched great players fall to them in the draft. And they capitalized on it with seemingly almost every single pick. And I can appreciate that a whole lot. Now, I will speak on Kellen Mond. Um, I think he's one of the more underrated guys in this draft class. I mean, you get him in the third round. You have a, a decent backup quarterback if Kirk Cousins does go down. I mean, he, he had a phenomenal year at Texas A&M last year. Um, didn't really have too many weaknesses in my eyes. I mean, yes, he doesn't exactly have the best deep ball, but neither does Kirk Cousins. I mean, you're with Kirk Cousins, you have more of a short to mid-range kind of game, and that's what Cohen Mond has right now. And He's going to be able to learn from one of the better quarterbacks in the league in Kirk Cousins. 
And once Kirk Cousins does eventually retire, you have, or if you just let Kirk Cousins go, you have a, a nice quarterback right there just sitting there and Kellen Mond. I mean, having him fall all the way to the third round, I thought it was kind of crazy. I thought he easily could have gone mid-second round to a, a team that needs a backup quarterback. So him falling to 66 was was huge for Minnesota. Yeah, uh, and that was the lone pick that wasn't, you know, necessarily a, a huge pressing need. But also at the same time, <clears throat> I talked about this with uh, the Packers and the um, Chicago Bears. The quarterback position is the most important position on the field. <clears throat> I know I love to always break my Eagles into any conversation I can. In 2017, the Eagles showed why. Having quarterbacks, whether it's your starter or your backup, that can't come in and produce is so important. It, it won us a Super Bowl. So with that being the case, I mean, you can easily see. Now, I don't expect Kellen Mond, or I let me rephrase, I don't expect Kirk Cousins to get hurt this season. You never expect injuries. But even if he does, I don't expect Kellen Mond to come in and win you a Super Bowl. But I expect Kellen Mond to be a very, very service, serviceable quarterback and he does have a good amount of potential and this is kind of it kind of also goes along with what I said like towing the line of competing next season while also getting younger in areas of need I I think you can kind of see the writing on the wall just a little bit that you know Kirk Cousins isn't that plus quarterback like he doesn't necessarily win you a lot of tight games but he's also not bad enough to just simply throw away games and for that, I think it, that's another reason why I really like the way that they were building. They insured up all the holes around him, trying to keep him up longer, trying to give him more time to get rid of the ball, and giving him a defense that will help keep them in a better chance to be in a position to come from behind and win games and do things like that. So overall, I really, really like this offseason. I'd say it was arguably maybe my second favorite after the bears. I, I just, I really like what the bears did, especially just given how everyone knows how much I like um, Justin Fields. And so for that reason, I, I I'd say I'm actually going to give him the same grade. I'll give him an a no plus or minus, but just an a, a really, really solid plan. They attacked it well and they got players where they needed to get new and younger players. I'm going to give them a B plus here. If they could have kept um, Anthony Harris, that would have been an absolutely perfect offseason. Like, no doubt in my mind. Having a, a secondary, just the safety core of Xavier Woods and Anthony Harris would be amazing. But overall, like, they really did play very – they played their cards right. Yeah, absolutely. But that wraps up the NFC North. Um, I hope you all enjoyed our our takes on this division that just seems like it's it's down in the dumps right now. It's, I mean, it it might be looking like it's this year's NFC East. I mean, you you never know what if if Aaron Rodgers is here, the Packers are easily going to win the division. If not. It's up for grabs again. Yeah, it really, everyone, 
in this division is very closely watching <clears throat> what's going on with the Green Bay Packers because, I mean, that really signals whether you're competing for a wild card or whether you're winning your division. Uh, I really do think – I mean, we don't know exactly what Jordan Love is, but I can say as I do like this Green Bay roster – all over but without Aaron Rodgers I don't like it nearly as much and especially I don't really like it as a division winning team with that being the case if Justin Fields were to get the nod at some point early in the season I may like the Bears if these signings pay dividends for the Minnesota Vikings I could see easily see them making a run at winning this division now if Aaron Rodgers is playing it's potentially a different story, but with that being the case, I mean, this is a three team race right now. I mean, the lions are going to probably not be as not be the best team in the league. They will struggle, but they have finally the pieces. I thought this was really well all around. The only team that I really can knock in this class is the Packers just because of their own hard headedness. But outside of that, I think we have to give each one of these teams or each of these three teams, some props, because I really like the way they attack the off season and their drafts. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely the mid tier of off seasons for divisions in my opinion, but still some, some good and bad stuff happened. Absolutely. But with that, I have of course been your host, Jason Michener, joining alongside Ian Hatcher. We'll see y'all next time.